Wellspring Gardens. Part 2. Wellspring Gardens. Part Part 2. 2. 2. Well Wellspring Gardens. Part 2. Along. After some excitement and explaining, Ella had sinked into the dull rhythm of the car. Alex had given her the map. She found the task of manually plotting her destination to be exciting. It was a slight detour, but Alex had only time, and so they drifted along together on the great asphalt river. Ella had fallen asleep somewhere along the way and when she awoke, Alex was speaking aloud to no one in particular it seemed. But then a second voice came in, and she saw Coop's animation on the dashboard screen. Who is that? She asked dreamily. Coop was annoyed. Who are you? I'm Ella. I'm Coop, your free ride. Well thanks, Coop, she said, her voice honest. Coop softened up afterward, turning a lighter shade of blue. Where are you going Ella? Asked Coop. You don't have to answer him. It's not his business, said Alex. It's okay, said Ella patiently, I'm going to find my mother. You know I'm a map to write? I'm not just decoration, said Coop eyeing Alex. What else can you do? She asked. Lots of stuff. Can you fly? What? Did Alex tell you that? Said Coop angrily. No, I was just curious, said Ella innocently. He's sensitive about that, said Alex teasing. It's just a lot to ask on top of being sentient and self-driving. I gotta fly too? No, you don't have to, it'd just be cool if you did, said Ella. And I like driving, so I can't use you for that, said Alex. You're gonna kill yourself, but you like driving? I've never read a suicide note where someone lists off all the stuff they still like doing. Ella perked up, suicide? Alex is going to end his life corp contract which means. He's going to die, cut in Ella. Right. I've been trying to talk to him. I think it's a great idea. I'm a naturalist. I don't even have a life corp contract. I'm really 27 years old and I'll probably die if I'm lucky in like 50 years. Oh no, you too said Coop incredulously. She's fine, said Alex dismissively. Fine, I'll be the hearse for you too then. What do I care? Alex and Ella agreed, annoying Coop further. All right, who cares then, do what you want, and Coop turned off and his screen went dark. Wellspring Gardens Alex drove them through the night, and a few others, until Ella's little dot on the map had manifested before them. It was the earring of a giant goddess living in the sky, a cold black jewel suspended mid-air as if too regal for the ground. The structure floated above a large, square concrete platform, surrounded by nothing but open fields. Ella, still half asleep, rubbed her eyes in astonishment. There were large letters projecting from the building into the sky. Wellspring Gardens she read aloud, this is it, she's here. Here turned out not to be quite what Alex had expected. What was becoming evident was that Ella's plans were more involved than he had anticipated. It's a rehab center, said Coop. It's a prison, corrected Ella. And my mom's in there somewhere. Coop, said Alex stepping out of the car, I think it's best if you drop us off here and go ride around for a bit. We'll call when we need you. Alex waved the car key signaling to Coop that he would use it when they were ready. Coop drove away, and with Ella leading, they strode across the field of grass, up to the concrete slab below Wellspring Gardens. There were a set of stairs that led onto the platform. They went up and found themselves on a square of gray concrete, eventually making their way beneath the jewel's midday shadow. 
in the middle of the platform below the jewel was a freestanding door, and in front of it, painted in red, was a pair of shoe prints. The door stood erected like a lone tombstone, the shoe prints looked like they were left behind by some vanished businessmen. So what's the plan? asked Alex. The plan is to get my mother back, said Ella. With the sigh of a man who had given up any sense of agency many years ago, Alex silently agreed. Ella, with little hesitation, stepped forward onto the outline of the red shoes, turned open the door and entered into its black interior. Alex saw her image fade away into space as the door closed. He followed her through the door and felt a pinch like an electric shock, something like a sneeze that collapsed him as the door closed behind him. A vacuumed silence greeted him on the other side. Everything was sterile and geometric. Black counters were on the left and in front, a wall of frosted glass. Ella was beside him, already facing down a seriously dressed woman making quickly towards them. Hi, I'm Vivi. Can I help you? Asked the woman. We have a few questions, said Ella calmly. I'd love to help you with that. Do you have an appointment? Asked Vivi. No. We were just passing by and thought we'd check it out, said Ella. Well, if you sign in with your LifeCorp accounts we can set you up with a tour right away, follow me. Vivi directed them to the front desk, where an impassively vacant gentleman was staring off into space. He'll help you here. Just put your hands on the desk, directed Vivi. Alex reached out and put his palms down on the black countertop, which to his surprise was pleasantly warm. Okay, Alex Briggs. Nice to see you again. Vivi held out her hand and shook Alex's. Her hand was surprisingly cold. Ella looked uncomfortable. She wincingly placed her palms down on the desk, as if she were expecting something unpleasant to happen. The counter beneath Ella's hands flashed red for a brief second. Vivi seemed disappointed, do you have a LifeCorp account? No, said Ella with a measure of contempt. Just to let the absurdity of Ella's answer resonate, Vivi remained silent for a while. Well that started Vivi, very unfortunate. But if you'd like to go any further I'm afraid you'll have to be registered. Ella closed her eyes as if fortifying her determination, that's fine she said at last. Will you take a seat over there Mr. Briggs, while we take care of, sorry, what's your name dear? Ella. As we take care of Ella. Alex found a chair and watched as Ella was led away through a door behind the black counters. Alex found himself adrift in the muffled sounds of the empty lobby. When he didn't return, he wondered if he should start to worry. The man behind the counter found an indefinite point in space and poured his existence into it blankly. Alex didn't know why he was worried, nothing mattered anymore, but knowing that didn't help. Before he had lost his last reserve of composure, Ella re-emerged with Vivi from behind the counter. Okay, we're all set then, said Vivi. In contrast to Vivi's self-satisfaction, Ella looked quite perturbed. Alex and Ella followed a few steps behind Vivi through the glass wall, which retreated to accommodate their passage. On the other side was an expanse of white marble that stretched on uninterrupted like a milky lake. The ceiling extended thousands of feet upward to a tip formed by the converging walls. These walls were rows of walkways and doors and long windows, growing ever smaller in circumference each level up, to a single point forming a pyramid. Vivi glided across the white lake with Alex and Ella in tow, to an elevator door at the far end. So what interests you today? I can give a general tour of the facility, or maybe you want more technical advice about some programming packages. A tour would be okay, said Ella. Great. We'll start at the first level. A silver band on Vivi's wrist flashed and the elevator opened. As I'm sure you know, Wellspring Gardens is a rehabilitation facility. Those who want a new reality come to us. It's an opportunity to recover from the routine of the self. The elevator let them out on the first floor. See, this floor is the processing center. We can wipe the slate clean. 
a new identity, an old identity, we do it all per request. We take our contracts with our patients very seriously. You must be processed here to enjoy our facilities upstairs. Here look. BV took them to a long rectangular window. This is how processing works. It only takes a few minutes once we're set up. A woman was standing in front of a giant red cube in the center of the room, a pale faceless figure in a black suit was hovering next to her. The room was plain and unfurnished except for the cube that towered over the woman, oppressing her will before it. The woman looked anxious, if she was willing it didn't show. Unprompted, she moved forward, making contact. The red cube, once it had a taste, seemed to devour her, pulling her in deeper and deeper, until she was suspended within it. The faceless figure placed its pale hand against the wall, and the room lit up in a fantastic display of color and strobing light. Suddenly, muffled sound vibrated from the glass and the floor beneath like a choral hymn. The woman within the red cube began to convulse and shake. But before the spectacle had concluded, Alex and Ella were taken away from the window by Vivi, back to the elevator. Most of these are really just offices mind you, said Vivi. Ella and Alex exchanged knowing glances at one another. Let's get a look at the second floor, it's a real doozy. Vivi continued on with her spiel on the second floor, this is our prehistoric level, lots of different eras to choose from, Stone Age, Bronze Age, you name it. I think it's interesting, but between you and me I wouldn't recommend it. But don't tell anyone I said that. I find its variances to be pretty low, more for your grunt types. Not that there's anything wrong with that, it's just that basic survival can be one-dimensional. But I guess that's the charm. Vivi shrugged and went on curating each new display. Glimpses of life played across each window. Just beyond the glass stood Primal Man, naked, tolling away near fires and caves, communicating little except for the swinging of their arms and the twitching of their necks. At another window, a tribe was coordinating around an injured woolly mammoth. And at the window next, a man and a woman were intertwined, naked beneath a waterfall, as men with spears encroached from the edges of the jungle, preparing to ambush. They're going to die, said Ella absently under her breath. Well yes and no, said Vivi. They'll die, but we always bring them back. It's in our contract. You get reprocessed and sent right back out. Okay, that's enough of that. Vivi walked away just before the first spear entered the man's back. On the eighth floor, which Vivi had disclosed was her favorite, was what she called the disaster level. These have a little more humanity I find. Yes, it's survival, but with a little flair, with a little more variance. Alex and Ella had, through each floor, witnessed the breadth of mankind. War and hunger and revolution, life huddled in the screeching madness of cities and sprawled out unchanging in little villages. And now they saw, through the long windows, life on the brink, people floating adrift on man-made islands in the middle of the ocean, scavengers plucking at the carcass of a fallen empire, the last remnants of a population cursed by some god's petty wrath. These were the indelible cave paintings of human life, moving and alive as tepid entertainment. Alex recognized himself in these portraits. To the universe, life was recreational and at best a curiosity, and under those realities, he could no longer entertain himself enough to go on. Ella in her terrified youth looked on in uncertain horror at the artificiality of each picture. How does this all work? Asked Ella. The same way you entered. For instance, see this window here, it's just a projection, there's nothing on the other side, well until you walk through the door, then it is real. That ocean isn't even on this planet. Our realities are outsourced. And so the doors asked Ella. Portals, marked by the red shoes. She pointed to a pair at the door. It's easy to track that way. It's helpful for the black suits. The hard ones are environments without doors. That's when we have to get creative. But it's all connected if you know where to go. Bella reached out to one of the doors, but it wouldn't open. Sorry. I'm afraid you need clearance for that. 
Vivi tapped the silver band around her wrist, you'll just have to observe for now. When you've narrowed it down you can come back, I'd love to take you on a proper tour, explore the environments a little. Vivi made her way back to the elevator. Wait, called Ella. I'd like to see something if that's possible, before we leave? Vivi turned around, eyebrows raised, and what is that? You don't have a new hippie window do you? Vivi mulled it over silently to herself, then finally spoke, I know where that is, but we usually don't go up that far with visitors. Vivi became quiet as she went through the protocol in her mind. If we go quickly I can take you. It's quite a ways up. With that, they got back in the elevator and got off many floors up. Over the railings, they could see a small white square below. They were almost at the top of the pyramid now. So what if they change their mind? I mean how can you if you don't know who you are anymore? Asked Ella. Vivi spoke plainly, we help you imagine who you are, but we can't make you forget. You believe what you want to believe. But the truth is they don't want to remember, not really. It's not that sinister, what you get in here is the truth, just not all of it. They walked along the sides of the square walkway until Vivi stopped, pointed to one of the windows, and addressed Alex and Ella. This is our new hippie environment. Through the glass, they saw a man speaking to a group. The man had long unruly hair and a formidable beard. Around him were mostly women, and some fairly grungy-looking men dispersed evenly among them. The room beyond the window had fluorescent green walls and brown carpet, the design reminiscent of Alex's motel room. There was a stage in front on which the man was standing and miming the words of a spirited speech to the transfixed crowd. The young ladies had the frosty look of hospital patients. They mouthed the words along with him, and swayed in a vague motion like some giant living organism. Alice smacked abruptly against the glass, forehead pressed, hands cupped around her eyes. Please don't touch the glass, you're not allowed to do that, said Vivi sternly. It's her, Alice said softly. She pounded on the window with her fists, the contact making twanging notes that seemed to linger like plucked guitar strings. Mom. Her voice rang like a dissonant harmony against the notes of the window. What are you doing? Vivi scolded, her voice rising just below a scream. Stop. They can't even hear you. She reached out and gripped Ella around the wrist. Ella shook her off, then rushed for the door, but it wouldn't open. This is a violation of code, stop now, commanded Vivi, then ordering into her silver wristband, code black, code black. With total disregard for Vivi's warning, Ella pounced on her. Vivi was screaming now. Ella pulled at her arm as if to dismember her. Then Ella tumbled off with a force like she had dislodged something. In Ella's hand was the silver band. Vivi was a crumpled mess on the floor. Ella placed the silver bracelet against the door. The bracelet flashed and the door whooshed open in a sudden wind. Without hesitation, Ella stumbled into the room. The audience and the man speaking turned to Ella in surprise, as she had just entered through a locked door in the middle of their sermon. A few of them yelled out questions, others murmured quietly amongst themselves until a booming voice quieted the room with a question. And who are you little bird? But Ella wouldn't answer. She stood resolutely with her eyes trained on the woman who was her mother, a woman who looked not much older than the strange girl who had appeared through the doorway. Ella walked slowly towards her, searching for any sign in her eyes of recognition, of love behind the frosty stoned eyes that were like all the others. But they were not like the others, not to Ella, they were the same eyes that promised they would never leave, of a mother who betrayed her principles to become a pair of empty eyes in a hollow fantasy. Ella wanted something from them they could not give. Ella's mother looked only frightened of the mysterious girl headed toward her, and that fear wounded Ella fiercely. Face to face, Ella pleaded from as deep down as she could in her young soul, a place only a mother would recognize. But the woman did not know this place, she didn't seem to know much of anything. The man spoke again, we can't help you unless you sing your heart little birdie. But Ella only called sweetly to her mother, don't you remember me? Ella? 
It's me, don't you remember? Ella's eyes welled with tears, but she wouldn't look away, she wanted to shake her mother loose. Please, mom come back, I know you can if you want to. The room was silent. Mom please come home, I'm alone, I need you to come home now. Those final words collapsed Ella. She was a heap on the ground, choking in air. Alex ran in, to the crowd's surprise, and he could feel Ella shaking as he put his hand on her back. She was not looking at her mother anymore, but it closed her eyes, trying to picture her mother before all this. Her hand was gripped tight at the hem of her mother's dress. She wouldn't let go. Then the crowd screamed in panic, and Alex turned around to see many faceless figures, rushing through the door. Hands pulled at his back as he fought to hold on to Ella. But eventually, the black suits had dragged them both away, back through the doors, Vivi shouting orders to the black suits to take them downstairs, and Ella, still crying, eyes closed, had given up fighting completely. Renew Alex was on the first floor again, passing flashing windows all humming with new memories, clutching tightly to the silver band he had stashed in his pocket. The black suits in front and behind had led him to a room, and the door to the room opened, and a voice inside called out, come in. Alex went forward and found the room to be warm and drowsy. It looked like a lodge, with deep polished woods, slick leather, and dark green and red furnishings. There was a fire going that licked and crackled in the fireplace, casting wicked shadows all around. Then a voice rose up. Have a seat. He had not seen the man sitting in front of him. The man sat behind a large dark wooden desk, his figure hidden in shadow. With hesitation, Alex took a seat on an empty chair positioned for inquisition before the man. We're happy to have you back Alex, unfortunately, there's been some trouble, he examined Alex for a moment, then continued. I'm the director for Wellspring Gardens and I need to. He stopped, suddenly uninterested in where he was going. Do you remember why you came to us in the first place Alex? Yes. And why was that? I didn't have answers. I didn't want to leave like that. And you have them now? No. The director thought for a while, why did you bring the girl here? Where is she? She's broken safety codes and a few laws as well. Those aren't admissible. It's not her fault, she. The director cut him off. Why did you bring her? Alex wasn't sure. Because she asked. All right. The director got up and walked around the desk and placed a hand on Alex's shoulder. You should go. Go? Asked Alex incredulously. You've committed no crime. And I'm sure you don't even want to be here. Alex got up slowly and loped back towards the door, dejected and comfortable in his helplessness. Lifecorp being every bit the unconquerable entity that existence had been, there seemed no reason to fight. He turned back around. What's going to happen to her? The black suits will help you out. The director pointed to the faceless figures just outside the door, and Alex was escorted out. Choice Alex walked down the hall, followed closely by the black suits. He felt the cold silver bracelet he had stashed in his pocket. How he had wound up here, helpless, distracted, when he had meant to be dead, he wasn't sure. He felt a choking bitterness. He knew he shouldn't have stopped, shouldn't have lost sight of his objective, and so he took his hand out of his pocket and kept his head low. At the end of the hallway was another black suit, waiting at the elevator door. As he got closer, something large came into view beside him. He turned and saw a large blue cube, towering in the middle of one of the rooms. Within it, Ella was suspended, curled up like a fetus, her eyes closed, peacefully unconscious. Alex looked on, his hand reflexively reaching for the silver band in his pocket. He took a step towards her, then stopped and turned away, and instead made his way to the elevator. Just as he reached the end, lights began to flash, and an eerie howl echoed out from Ella's room. He turned and saw Ella, her large eyes tortured, 
her body writhing within the flashing cube. Without thinking, he quickly slipped the silver band around his wrist and ran to the room. The silver band flashed and he pushed through the door into the carnival of light. It felt like wind rushing all around him. He pushed against it, climbing his way to the center of the room and drowning himself within the blue cube. All senses warped and clashed violently, of many moments, a mother not quite familiar called to him, touched his cheek with her soft hands and whispered something, something, he couldn't know. Then came a crashing of waves, and a father was teaching him to fish the opalescent water that had pooled into a great ocean in his heart. These fragments gilded themselves sweetly with an idyllic yearning that makes susceptible the mind. And as he was drawn deeper in, everything became more real, and his vision of Ella started to slip away. But before the last of himself had been lost, Ella reached out and grabbed his arm, and the spell fell away. Remember, remember. He repeated. Ella was awake only for a brief moment, enough to recognize Alex, before the cube had once again overtaken her, and she retreated back into unconsciousness. Memories passed through him as he struggled to escape the cube, dragging Ella along with him. She was something real and constant like a tether in a storm. He twisted and stretched desperately until his hand had broken through the side of the cube, and the structure collapsed into a blue puddle on the floor. The black suit swooped in to seize the two of them, but when they made contact with the blue substance, they began to writhe and convulse, falling to the floor. Alex picked himself up and seized Ella, carrying her tight to his chest. Her body was dead weight and completely uncooperative as he rushed her out of the room. He called to her, Ella. Her eyes were open but she didn't look. Alex shook her and called her name again, but she wouldn't respond. From across the walkway, a horde of black suits had appeared and began to converge upon them. Alex, with Ella slumped in his arms, charged for the elevator, his legs barely steady enough for the both of them. His head was still slightly dazed as the silver band on his wrist flashed, and the elevator doors opened up, and they entered just in time to see the doors close upon the image of charging black suits. Alex pressed the button to the highest floor and felt something wet on his cheeks. He was crying. Again he called softly to Ella, as if coaxing her out of bed from a wonderful dream she didn't want to leave. Ella, without blinking, turned sideways to him. Her gaze was wild and unfamiliar. She looked at him as if he were some absurd stranger. She had seen things she couldn't articulate. Instead, she stared with absolute stillness and focus, trying to communicate some essential truth to him through her silence, speaking finally when he understood. Hi Alex, she said. Hi, answered Alex warmly. The elevator doors opened. They were at the tip of the pyramid now. Can you stand? He asked. She blinked finally and put her feet on the ground unsteadily. Alex, with Ella's hand in his, led her out of the elevator into a narrow hallway. Across from the elevator, at the end of the empty hall, was a door without windows or red shoes. There was nowhere else to go except through it. They looked at each other and without words decided. Alex gripped Ella's cold hand tighter as they walked together toward the door. The silver hoop around Alex's hand flashed and the door opened. Through the door, many feet below, was an ocean of colorful translucent cubes, stretched out infinitely towards the horizon. They stood floating above the quilted sea as if perched upon a high cliff. Alex held on to the doorframe and leaned out to get a better look. Each square was a different, distinct color. From up where they were there seemed to be no end to it. What should we do? Asked Ella, peeping out through the door. Before Alex could think, the elevator dinged and began to open. We have to jump. Alex looked at Ella. She nodded and gave one last look down before taking the leap. Alex watched as Ella plummeted down and disappeared into the matter below. He turned around and saw Vivi squeezing through the elevator doors, her face contorted with rage. Alex crouched down, gripped either side of the doorframe, and with great force, launched himself into the unknown. Alex didn't exactly plunge into the strange sea, as much as he was taken into it. 
upon impact, he felt the hunger of the sea as it swallowed him completely away. Alex felt the slow dissolve of his mind like the slipping of consciousness to sleep, and suddenly he was awake again. Filtered Alex was alone in the park, surrounded by mountains and brooding clouds forming somewhere deep in the valley. There was the jungle gym in the slide, and he was a child laid comfortably at the bottom facing up towards the sky. It was his memory, but a memory that held many consciousnesses at once, that was both wrong and true, the child and the old man. A woman appeared above. It was Lily. What are you doing? She asked. Are we going home? He heard himself say. What home? She said, what are you doing down there? I don't know, I, I rode down the slide. Well, you can't stay here. It's going to rain soon. Look. She pointed deep into the valley at the rain that had broken free from the clouds, dancing. You have to hide, she said. Where? Alex looked up at her and she was someone else. She was Ella, then not Ella, then her face began to crumble like sand until there were no longer any features. It spoke without speaking. Are you Alex Briggs? No. The bottom of the slide began to wobble, and he felt himself sinking, and suddenly all of it, the woman, the park, the rain, it seemed far away, images passing into the horizon. He watched for as long as he could until the scene had vanished. Then he felt the rest of him fall away with a final gasp into a drain. Portals Alex filtered out on the shore. The beach was rocky and cold and wind whipped. Alex! He turned around and saw Ella rushing in to hug him. Come on. We have to go. A group of black suits had spotted them. She pulled him away across the beach, but soon more had formed that way as well. Alex looked at Ella, then out to the ocean. A ways offshore was a graveyard of old boats fixed loosely to a set of crumbling jetties, some half-sunken. The hunt had forced them stumbling into the cold black water. The jagged coral floor cut against the bottoms of their feet, the cold water tightening their chest and lungs. Soon they were deep enough to swim. They heard behind them the splashing of the black suits. They picked up the pace, swam faster, till their arms and legs burned fiercely with fatigue. When they had finally reached the nearest boat, Alex and Ella toppled in, almost rocking it over. Now what? Asked Ella between gasps. But before Alex could answer, water began spilling into the boat and they started to sink. Damn it, growled Alex. The black suits were almost upon them now, flapping in the dark water, crawling over themselves in desperation. Alex looked down at the sinking boat, trying to find a leak, but saw instead an outlined pair of red shoes. The silver hoop on Alex's wrist flashed as they sank deeper and deeper into the ocean, the water now at their waists. Alex reached out and grabbed Ella's arm, before they had sunk completely into the icy water. The silver band continued to flash dimly in the dark sea, and the water had suddenly turned warm, and the bottoms of their feet touched the mushy floor. They emerged from the shallow water, arrived in familiar circumstances. They had observed this tableau, safely behind windows, but now the couple beneath the waterfall was strung up in the trees by their hands and feet, and the men once prowling in the bushes, were now dancing underneath their suspended bodies. The woman spotted Alex and Ella first. She pointed to them and screamed as if calling for help. The dancing men turned around and saw Alex and Ella standing awkwardly in the water. A spear whizzed by Alex's cheek. One of the men yelled out a war cry, and the tribe charged into the water hurling spears and rocks at Alex and Ella as they ran away. There was barely enough light to see through the thick shade of the canopy, as they weaved ungracefully through the jungle, stumbling over fallen trees, ducking nets of vine that hung like nooses, ready to choke them with a misplaced step. Behind them grew the chanting and footsteps loud like beating drums. Alex and Ella were beginning to run out of steam, becoming less careful, struggling to keep pace through the jungle. 
but no matter how long or how far they are in, they could never outpace the wild men behind them, and maybe even by now, the black suits. The thought had occurred to Alex just as the ground beneath him disappeared, and he was suddenly falling into the earth. He turned back to see Ella falling too, her outline silhouetted by the dim evening light, framed by the black mouth of the pit that had swallowed them both. Instinctively Alex grabbed for Ella to brace her fall, but the fall didn't come, not when he had expected it to. Somewhere in the falling, the silver band had flashed and he had slipped through some invisible membrane, materializing on the other side. They eventually landed quite unpleasantly on solid ground, under the glass dome of a distant planet. A few people were staring, puzzled by the two, exhausted, damp, strangers that had birthed from the heating vents. Who are you? asked one of them. Alex and Ella were still trying to calibrate themselves. We must have fallen through a portal, did you see red shoes? asked Ella. Alex shook his head and looked up and saw the dark winking universe above them. The landscape outside was desolate, an empty purple planet painted finely onto the black canvas of space. One of the men stepped forward, are you here to save us? Alex and Ella's minds were still in flight, and they left the man half attended. He went on, we don't have much time, my whole family is dead, and I'll be damned if we lose. Alex cut him off, sorry, that's not for us, we're just passing through, thanks. They excused themselves and weaved their way through the panicked crowd as the planet began to crack. A terrific belch from the ground rattled the crystal dome. Impact gentlemen! Someone screamed. Outside, purple flowers of dust bloomed, causing beautiful swirls of lavender wind that pinged off the side of the dome. We have to find the next portal, said Alex, holding out his hand. Ella reached out and clutched it, and they were off together, searching amidst the chaos of the dying planet for a pair of red shoes. They pushed through doors and exits as the floor beneath them rumbled violently, tossing them up against the walls, and toppling them over a few times. Eventually, they stumbled their way into a kitchen, locking the door behind them. If the black suits had followed them this far, they couldn't be sure. At times they thought they heard footsteps behind them, but all certainty was lost in the chaos. Alex took a look around the kitchen, and his stomach turned to ash. There's no way out, said Ella gravely, it's a dead end. Alex surveyed the room corner to corner and she was right, there was only one way in or out, and it was now swarming with black suits. It had not been their imaginations, the footsteps, the ominous presence bearing down on them. Through the center window of the door were many pale creatures, hungry phantoms eyeing their prey. They're going to get in, whispered Ella. Just then came a crash at the door, then another, and another. The black suits had synchronized themselves into a single instrument and were battering down the door. Hinges busted loose, the window glass shattered, the black suits piled on the door like a swarm of ants. Alex watched in horror. There was nothing else to do but watch and wait to be consumed. He had forgotten terror, the raving, shuddering, lunging assault on everything good inside him. He had invited vulnerability into his heart, and now he could not protect it. Piece by piece the door was torn away. The black suits let out grunts as they slammed their bodies into the door. Numb as Alex was, he felt a tapping on his shoulder. Ella was trying to get his attention. The freezer, she said, pointing towards the kitchen. Alex didn't understand. Ella grabbed Alex and pulled him in front of the walk-in freezer. While Alex had been resigned, Ella had continued to search and had found, underneath the floor mat, in front of the freezer, a pair of red shoe prints. Hurry, get in, she pulled open the door and pushed him in. The cold air pricked his face. Ella followed, her hand tied around his wrist. Then the silver band flashed again, and they were in a giant crib many worlds away, surrounded by adults dressed as babies. About twenty or so fully grown men and women were crawling on their hands and knees, wearing diapers and bonnets and nothing else. They played haphazardly with the toys and rattles lying on the carpet. 
A bare-breasted woman shook a rattle for a second or two, then tossed it aside. The walls were lined with pink and blue cushions. There were posters hung of a stern woman who looked remarkably like Vivi with the words, Mommy loves you at the bottom. There was a nursery rhyme playing somewhere on speakers. The babies paid little attention to the new adults that had entered the crib moments earlier. Only when Alex and Ella had spotted a pair of red shoes at the front door and were about to leave did one rather large baby speak up, Mommy says no one can go that way. It not good. The rest took notice and began to point and shout, a few of them were crying. Bad man, bad man, shouted an old baby as he climbed up the crib and tipped over, landing with a terrible thud below. Wah. He pointed at Alex and Ella, you heard head. The large baby crawled after them on his hands and knees. Alex and Ella quickly opened the door and escaped from the angry baby. On the other side was neither adventure nor escape, instead they found themselves cramped together in a janitor's closet. A mop handle poked into Alex's ribs. It smelled like cleaner and mold. Are you okay? Asked Ella. Yeah, grunted Alex, let's get out of here. They spilled out of the closet causing a commotion and turning heads all around the office. About a dozen or so people stood up in their cubicles, some paused around the copy machine. Alex walked up to the nearest employee, where are we? Um, Wellspring Accounting, said the employee. Alex looked out the window and saw familiar road signs and beaten asphalt. Ella, this is as close as we're going to get. She agreed. On the far side of the office was an emergency exit sign. All of the office employees watched silently as Ella and Alex walked past them to the exit. At the door, they looked down and saw no red shoe prints. So they opened it and heard someone call after them, the boss says no one can go, but Ella and Alex were already gone.